Oh, it is. Another episode of Five Rounds here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We talk everything in the combat sports world. The UFC is making a trip across the pond for the first time since 2019. And even though it's not a pay-per-view card, it's a high-caliber card. You've got a good heavyweight main event between Alexander Volkov and ascending Tom Aspinall, who's fighting in front of his home countrymen there. Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker, co-main event in the featherweight division. It should be very good, and the odds are very close for that fight. So there's really no clear advantage for either fighter. And you've got England's own ascending superstar, who we did devote the title of this episode to, Patty the Batty Pimblet. <laughs> He's got a little Conor McGregor in his DNA. Will he have his Conor McGregor moment this weekend? I want to remind you, friends, that this and every episode of Five Rounds is brought to you by the Quarter Deck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. And my friends, there's college basketball happening constantly for the next several days. You got St. Patty's Day tonight. Hell, I mean, I'm such a square. I'm going to be going to bed at like 9 o'clock tonight. But for those of you who will actually go out, pretend to be Irish tonight, drink a ton of green beers, you should do it at the Quarter Deck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. The beer will be flowing. The two-for-one cocktails will be flowing at the Quarter Deck. The two-for-one happy hour literally never ends. Two-for-one drinks all day, every day. The beer is always so freaking cold. The food is so good, man. The seafood is so fresh. Build your own poke bowl. The mahi-mahi is excellent. You can get the buffalo shrimp. The buffalo shrimp at the quarter deck is my favorite appetizer on planet Earth. The sandwiches and burgers are incredible. And, yeah, most importantly, the quarter deck is the best place to watch every big game, college basketball, NBA basketball, NHL, international soccer. And, yeah, it's your spot to watch every UFC fight, whether it's a fight night card or a pay-per-view because, guys, the pay-per-views, if you order it at home, they charge you 75 bucks. At the quarter deck, there's no cover charge ever for a UFC pay-per-view fight. That is the place to watch every UFC pay-per-view. So if you want to find the location nearest to you, they got locations all over Broward County. Check it out tonight for St. Patty's Day, St. Patty Pimblet's Day. Or if you just want to peep their menu before you go, check them out online at quarterdeckrestaurants.com. The quarter deck, come for the food, stay for the fun. Yes, I'm Alex Dono alongside my co-host as always. Let's go down low first. James Walker, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, everything's good, man. Just busy as tax season. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, up up here to it, you know, just getting everything in on time and especially dealing with professional athletes where, you know, it might take two weeks just to get a simple signature. So uh, that's kind of <laughs> how it is, man. But uh, that's, that's the line of work I'm in and it's uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, I know this is a busy time of year for you. It's it's like uh, you know for for people and and J- James used to be in this world sports media and I'm mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still in it. This it, it's like Super Bowl week, right? I mean ta- tax season is like Super Bowl week for him. And then we yeah. have of course the man, the myth, the legend with us, the real Frank Zaffrey, Frank Z. Uh, Frank has finally woken up from his Magomed Ankalaev induced nap. That was not the most <laughs> entertaining fight this past weekend. How you doing, Frank? I'm good. I, I, you know, I have to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm finishing week three of my, uh, my training and, uh, I need more naps than ever. Like nothing has has exposed my age more than this. I mean, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's draining, you know, working it into your regular routine is, uh, has been a challenge. We're getting there, but at the end of the day, I am tired. Yeah, and just for context, I know I know a lot of our viewers, uh, if you watch us regularly, you know what Frank is doing. If you're first-timer or first-time in a long time, uh, Frank Zaffrey there, who you see to my left, but on the right of your screen, uh, he's not a professional fighter, but he is training 
for a fight. He is putting himself through a mixed martial arts style training camp. Uh, Brian Jackson, who has trained in the past, he's a he's a former pro fighter. Uh, he's trained with the likes of BJ Penn and Eddie Alvarez. He is Frank Zaffrey's head coach and sort of the uh, the CEO of Frank's training camp is Dean Thomas, who did oversee Frank's first session and is kind of overseeing his training regimen. So Frank has an all star coaching staff and you're putting yourself through the grind, man. I mean, uh, is this one of those things? I know you're tired all the time, which is understandable. Are you sore all the time? Well, you know, it's funny you would ask that. So the the EMS training that I do has prevented me from being sore in a way that you might expect, doing things that you haven't done in forever or maybe in some instances never done at all. But there's soreness in weird spots. Wrists and forearms feel somewhat fractured and sore, almost sprained. Uh, you know, knees rubbed raw from kneeing a bag. You know, things that, you know, you just don't have, like, you're just not used to. Shoulders very sore. Unbelievable that. You know, you can go to the gym and do all kinds of shoulder exercises and think you're a big stud and then, you know, do some boxing for an hour and you, you can't move your arms. So, I, I, you know, it's definitely there's there's, uh, you know, some adjustments that have to be made for me to get used to it. But we're making good progress and uh, he's phenomenal. So patience is definitely a virtue he has. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and yeah, you're and coming uh, out next week, right? I mean, yeah, you're going to come watch a little of this. Yeah, you, I mean, you, depending, you, depending on the night you come, you can see me get choked out. I mean, we're going live a little bit now, so we're doing mat work, and um, wow. yeah, and uh, we're doing a lot of standing grappling work, but we haven't done anything where he's actually throwing me from standing to the ground, so we'll get there okay. soon. And uh, you, started, haven't, you haven't done the transitions yet? No, although we have worked through the transitions on the ground. You, okay. know, transition. you know, it's amazing, in just a couple of weeks, how much more enhanced my my understanding is, even though we've been watching it forever, just understanding the various transitions and how it's all very simple, really. And it's just a, a handful of positions that lead to everything that you see. And it's, you know, it's, so it's, it's really been educational. But then you need the athleticism <laughs> and the ability to actually do it efficiently. And that's what that's what his his tough task is to get me there. Oh, man. So. Well, yeah. And, and well, okay. So you mentioned uh, I could come out next week, Tuesday or yeah, Wednesday yeah. night. Like, which Monday night, night, too. Monday night. Oh, too. Monday night. Monday night as and well. Thursday yeah. afternoon, which, if I look a little haggard, we had a we had an afternoon session today. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So we're trying to go four. I'm trying to do four awesome. sessions with him, sometimes five a week, um, mostly at night. Obviously, Thursday has to be in the afternoon because we got our show. So, uh, well, what but, time uh, in the afternoon do you do it? I uh, shot over there at about one o'clock. And uh, we spent about an hour and 15 minutes and it was a split session. So we did some standing grappling clinch work and then we did some striking. And uh, he's funny, you know, he's he was trying to teach me today was like he's always focused on something. Today was don't go for faint. So just let me hit you in the stomach and uh, don't don't react. And so, you know, it was great to get hit a bunch of times. I mean, it's very <laughs> educational, you know, yeah. because you're you know, you're not used to that. I mean, you know, in a bar fight, I don't want you to hit me. You know, but obviously yeah. in, a, in a contest like this, you have to be used to getting hit. So um, anyway, I think you'll enjoy it. And awesome. especially if you want to watch me get banged around. So, yeah, I'm going to check it out next week. And the good news for our viewers is uh, whatever I see, I'm going to film it. Like I'm going to you film got it. To. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to film it. And then I'm going to play the clips on our show next Thursday. So <laughs> people are people are going to see Frank in action. Like I because I, I can only I can only imagine because you, you've described so many of the sessions to James and I and I. Still, it's like I, I, I have like a picture in my mind of what you're doing out there, but 
you know, sometimes expectation and reality don't necessarily meet. It'll so be I'm boring at times because there's a lot of coaching, right? So we might yeah. do something for for a minute and then he'll stop and he'll be talking to me about something. But then eventually we get to, you know, rounds and, and then that that's where the fun filming, I would imagine, would begin as you well, see me heaving. I love it. Well, see, I want to get that on camera too. And it's, it seems like it's, it's been a fun buildup this week in London uh, for this UFC fight card. And listen, I, I, I like uh, most of the fights on this card. And, you know, a lot of times when we start breaking down a future event, like we usually start with the main event. But in this case, I want to start in the middle of the card because, you know, the, the guy who's getting the most publicity leading up to this, and he, he is trying to put himself on the early Conor McGregor career path. Whether that's actually going to work out for him uh, is yet to be determined. And I'm talking about Paddy Pimblett, who's from Liverpool. He's fighting nearby in London, so he's going to have a huge cheering section there at the O2 Arena. But like I, I know, I notice him trying to to take some of the plays out of the Conor McGregor playbook because he because I was watching like some of the uh, some of like the, the countdown type of videos that they do on ESPN Plus, and and you know Paddy he. He's never met a camera he doesn't like, so he's gonna he's gonna talk a lot. He's very vocal in the press conferences, and I hear him a lot use the phrase I, "I'm here to take over," right? Which is something Conor McGregor used to say. So he's trying to follow that McGregor playbook. And guys, it doesn't seem like he's only following the McGregor playbook in his speeches, but even in his actions. Did you see the video of the little dust up? And it didn't really turn physical. There was you know a little bit of shoving and holding back, but. He got into a dust-up with Ilya Tapura. Uh, they're both fighting on this card, but they're not fighting each other. So it's, it seems like a, a little bit a little bit pointless like for these two to get into it, but they have some history, okay? And, and here's what uh, what Patty said about the little dust-up. It was mostly mostly a shouting match because, thankfully, you know, the entourages didn't, didn't let them come to blows or anything like that. Uh, and this was earlier this week at the Fighter Hotel in London. And Patty said, uh, talking about Ilya, he said, as soon as he came out the double doors, he snared me, which I guess is like Liverpool slang for like snarled at me or something, whatever that means. He's, he snared me. So I looked at him and said, what? Pimblet recalled. Uh, then he walked towards me. I said, what's happening, lad? Which is exactly what he would say. Actually, I think you could hear that in the video even, calling him lad. Uh, he said, I wasn't punching him because I'm not breaking my hand and then not be able to fight and not get my money on the weekend. So I stepped back and I picked the hand sanitizer and bounced it off his head. And then he swung a big one and I moved out of the way with ease. He's got a little bit of small man syndrome. He's only five foot seven. So I just tried to leave the little man to it. He wanted to come at me and act all that. And he got put in his place, Patty said. I stood there, and by the way, I'm not even trying to do his Liverpool accent, but just like <laughs> picture like George Harrison you know, talking uh, talking like this, or George Harrison, may he rest in peace, Paul McCartney, who's still alive. Picture Paul McCartney saying these words. Uh, he wanted to come in and act all that, so I put him in his place. I stood there on my own, and there was about six of them, and he'd done nothing. If he wanted to do something, he would have come around the table and try to have a fight with me, but he didn't. He stood on the other side of the table because he knows what's good for him. Now, uh, and, and James, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, I, I didn't know or remember all this until I started doing more reading. These guys do have history. And honestly, it sounds like Patty Pimblett deserves to take an uppercut to the jaw from Ilya Tapura if he can get close enough to him. So they've beefed online for about a year. This according to MMAJunkie.com, which initially escalated when Pimblett targeted Georgian fighters, Georgia the country, not the state, 
Uh, he, they targeted Georgian fighters in online attacks. Topuria was especially upset with Pimblet when the Englishman poked fun at the Russo-Georgian war that killed many Georgians, including Topuria's family members. Pimblet later apologized for his comments. Topuria told MMA Junkie that he'd like to fight Pimblet. However, Pimblet doesn't seem to be on board with the idea as he expects Topuria to lose his fight this Saturday. So Pim Pimblet says he's going to get knocked out by Jai Herbert. But you know, James, you know, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about trash talk and boundaries that you're not supposed to cross. Like we were yeah. talking about, you know, not talking about family members like Colby Covington was doing. I would say another boundary you shouldn't cross is talking about countrymen and wars, wars and family yeah. members who pass. I, I'd say that's what you can expect a Georgian guy to get pretty upset when you talk about the Russo-Georgian war. Yeah, yeah. Like as you mentioned, we had, we had talked about these boundaries, and, and you mentioned it that Pembley's taken Connor's route. If you think about it, Connor didn't really get dirty until recently with this trash talking. I'd, I'd say around the Khabib time. Then then it started crossing the line. Before that, it was clever. It was towards the fighter. It was towards Jose Aldo, and and you know that he was going to tear him apart and all that stuff. It was towards Rafael de Sanjos and called him a bum version of George, uh, Jose Aldo. Just stuff like that, that that's only involved the fighter. And then when it got to the to the Khabib level, then it started to get a little too personal and family and and religion and all that stuff. Uh, so so if Pimblis truly wants to take a, a page from Connor's book, just stick to the clever trash talk. Leave leave the countries, leave the wars, leave all that stuff out. Um, he's not even fighting, the, you know, this guy. I know you mentioned they had a history. I didn't know they had a history, you know, prior to that. So thanks for informing me to, of that. But, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what he does in the cage. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Connor performed in the cage early on, and and so all that stuff kind of came together at the same time. If Pimblet goes out and loses this fight, then it's all for naught. He's just a, you know, just a talking head. So he's going to have to perform in the cage uh, eventually and, and and prove his trash talk correct. Yeah, and hugely critical to the UFC that Patty does go out and perform. Not because I I don't think that anyone over there believes he's going to be the next Conor McGregor because he just isn't. He doesn't have that 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 thing about him that that is going to magnify his personality into superstardom in America. Mostly because he's not Irish. I mean, Irish is a big thing in America. You know, he's yeah. an English kid with goofy hair, and you know, he says some funny things. But you know, I could watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and get the same laughs. You know, you know, it's <laughs> like you know. But uh, you know, incredibly important after Michael Bisbing's retirement is to get the English market back again. Yeah, and I don't think it's an accident that they're really gearing up, and they got Daniel Cormier talking about is this going to be his next moment and trying to hitch him to the conor mcgregor uh train in terms of people's expectations you know uh, hugely important to the ufc for that to happen but i think he could end up just being an english interesting fighter mm. and i think that would be just fine for the ufc i i just i don't know maybe i'm in the minority on this i usually am on opinions like this but i i just don't see him becoming like some breakout star in the united states and, and let, let me interject because Frank brought up a good point about, you know, the, looking for that next English star. I, I think this is kind of of an indication that Darren Till has dropped the ball. You know, um, that's Darren, a great point. Darren Till was supposed to be three, four years ago, the next big English star. And he was rising up the ranks and, you know, has that charisma and everything. And then he's lost a bunch of fights. And now, you know, now he's just a, you know, just a, a, a solid fighter on the roster, but not like the next big thing, uh, you know, coming out of England. So I think that's further proof that you have to perform in the octagon. Uh, you know, to to earn that title. So, you know, I think, you know, Pimble is going to have to perform three or four years from now. Is he going to go down the till route where, you know, he ends up underperforming and ends up kind of being a bust, so to speak? Or if he, is he going to win, you know, fight after fight in the octagon and kind of rise the starter? 
And you know, the thing about Darren Till when you compare him to like Michael Bisping was the constant evolution. A lot of people didn't like Michael Bisping, but he was constantly improving and yeah. tremendous heart. Like it was an evolution that was impressive to watch over the course of his career. Darren Till just kind of flashed up and then he and then it's been over, really, in my opinion. Yeah. So anyway, so I don't know about this Patty guy. You know, he's going through tough times. He's lost some fights in his past, you know. He has, uh, yeah. you, know you know, he's let himself down. So sometimes when you've gone through that and now you get your opportunity, you know, you're going to make the most of it. By the way, shout out here to uh, to our guy, Joseph Rodriguez. What up to you, Joseph? And, and yeah, it's a reminder. If you guys are watching us live, you can take advantage of the live chat. You can talk to us, talk to each other. We give shout outs uh, whenever we see messages come up. We answer questions in the live chat. So make sure you do that. And yeah, another another big way to support us is smash the like button smash the thumbs up button even if you don't like the show just pretend you do and smash the like button it's good for the algorithm more people see like i mean thank you james speaks facts big facts from james walker how can you not like the show so smash the like button because I, I i know you know every show that i do on youtube there's always more viewers than likes so some of y'all are just lazy like some of y'all just come in here you freeload you watch the show you don't hit the like button hit the like button and if you haven't already Make sure you subscribe to Five Reasons Sports on YouTube. I find Patty Pimblett to be incredibly intriguing. Um, I, I think that he he potentially, and I think everything Frank said about like the the Irish thing versus the English thing that that could definitely be like more of an obstacle to breaking out in the USA because a lot more people just identify pride and Irish heritage compared to English heritage. So I think I think that's a very fair point. Just like strictly in a vacuum. With Patty Pimblett, I, I think he's got he does have seemingly a special mix of charisma um, where, you know, he's got like that part of the McGregor equation. Um, I, I do have some reservations about him as a fighter. Tremendous ability. But like, for example, he's got some things to clean up on. He didn't have a perfect record in Cage Warriors, which is the same promotion that McGregor came up in. So that, that's another similarity uh, he has some impressive wins there he had a couple of stifling losses there as well but he he has a crowd pleasing style like patty likes to stand and bang but he's also got good ground ability like i, I one of his cage warriors fight he literally locked up a flying triangle on somebody so he's a very good submission fighter i've seen him win with flying triangles i've seen him win with arm bars you know, he's, he's got decent wrestling, and usually, like, uh, the old stereotype about fighters from England was none of them can wrestle. But, you know, it, it's changing a little bit over there. He's got he's got decent wrestling. He's got a lot of the skills. Uh, I just think maybe sometimes, and this may kind of be added throughout his fight IQ and fight maturity, can put himself in a little bit too much risk. Like, his UFC debut against Luigi Vendramini, he ultimately won the fight, but he nearly got knocked out before he came back and knocked out his opponent. So, could've you know. Could have been jitters. You yeah, know, could have been a big moment. Yeah, no, it's that's very that's very very true. Uh, so you know, obviously, uh, he he's fighting for more of the crowd pleasing thing than he is for for you know fighting the safe route, which I guess like I'm sure Dana White loves it because he'd rather mm -hmm. fighters put their own chin at risk, you know, to seek a big time knockout. Uh, and you know, for for this fight, and the reason why, like I, I was inspired by something Daniel Cormier said when we talked about you know is Patty Pimblett the next Conor McGregor. Because uh, Daniel Cormier said something this week about he thinks that Pimblett can have his sort of Conor McGregor moment this weekend in London. He compared it to Conor McGregor's real coming out party was when he he got to fight in Dublin. It was probably like the third or 
second or third, fourth fight maybe in the UFC um, when Conor McGregor fought Diego Brandao in Ireland. He won it quickly, knockout, dominating fashion, and he received one of the loudest ovations I have ever fucking heard in a UFC arena. Like they, the the ceiling blew off of that arena for him. And that was like when he had arrived. He was already ascending before that point. You remember when he had that fight in Boston and oh, they like yeah. it was it was on the prelims and they like they blacked out the lights for him and the crowd went crazy. You would have thought real... that was in Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that yeah, exactly. That yeah. that was that was all all the uh all, all the Irish uh, in Dublin, or sorry, in in uh, in Boston. Boston. And then when he really fought in Dublin, like McGregor had his real coming out party. So DC was wondering, Patty Pimblett, you know, fighting very nearby his hometown in his home country, the arena is going to go crazy for him because even though there are other Brits on the card, but like I don't think even Tom Aspinall in the main event is going to get the sort of reception that Patty Pimblett is going to get because Pimblett is just more charismatic. So will that be his Conor McGregor moment? Now, Frank, the UFC is definitely setting him up for that because on paper, he should have no problem with Rodrigo Vargas, who he's fighting. Pimblett is a minus 700 favorite. He's just so much faster. Like, he is going to be punching and running circles around Rodrigo Vargas. And again, on paper, because again, Pimblett maybe will put himself in unnecessary risk if he fights careless. But on paper, he's got the better hands. He's going to have the better ground skills. I think he could very well win this fight by submission. And you have to wonder if maybe the UFC intentionally matched them up the way that they did to try and get him that big, easy win in in London. A hundred percent. A hundred percent they did. I mean, like, you know, Patty's the reason they're over there. I mean, you know, it's this is the Patty show, despite him not being the main event. And they and they're giving him one. And the thing that I wonder is just I'll be very interested to see where his maturity level is in this fight, because, you know, do you think you need the highlight real knockout to really amplify the opportunity that he's getting. I hope he's not headhunting, looking for something, making, trying to make something happen that shouldn't or not, not necessarily can happen and putting himself in unnecessary risk because, you know, look in this sport, man, a puncher's chance is real, you know, and he could get it, you know, some bad things can happen in a hurry. So, um, but you know, like I listened to some of his interview today, as much as I could get through, I really need subtitles to understand a lot of that, you know, again, I'm going to go back <laughs> to that movie. I, I think that's a Liverpool <laughs> thing specifically. Cause yeah. do, do you remember like years ago when they did the ultimate fighter UK and yeah. like they literally, and this was back when they were on spike TV, they had to do like the, the guys from London, you could understand them, but the guys from Liverpool, they all had subtitles. I'm like, what are they saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was I was going to kind of hop on your point a little bit. Uh, we, we critique the UFC for a lot of things, but I think one thing they've traditionally done well is when they have a prospect that they want to latch on, they've done a good job of trying their best to, to pick certain fights to build them up. Conor McGregor is a perfect example. They built Conor McGregor up perfectly. They didn't give him Jose Aldo right away. They, they made him you know fight certain fights. The Dustin Poirier fight was big. Uh, they gave him a main event in Boston. They, you know, they built him up the exact right way to where he was ready for Jose Aldo in, in his first title shot. Um, you know, when, when the time came, so I think they're trying to do the same thing with with Patty the Batty. Uh, obviously, this is kind of a walk in the park. Should be a walk in the park for him. I think they'll slowly work him up. They're not going to throw him right away. You know, and have him fight a top seven guy or a top ten guy. Um, you know, right away they're going to let him build up that hype train a little bit. And, you know, Patty's eventually going to have to perform. It's it's up to the fighter, too, uh, to kind of hold up his end. 
Um, but yeah, I think they're doing, they're, they're going to do a good job with that. Well, you know, I, I got to comment on that. Like one of the things I thought that happened with Conor McGregor's ascendancy is I thought they avoided wrestlers. I yeah. thought they, they saw where the weakness was and I thought they managed his opponents that way until somebody dropped out and he had to fight. Who was it? Mendez? Chad Mendez. Yep. Chad yeah. Mendez, but Chad was coming off just like a week and a half of preparation and gassed unfortunately for him in that big moment he had. But, you know, I thought there was a, a strong degree of manipulation. And so, you know, to your point, I, this could be the same thing. I mean, this matchup makes, you know, I, I feel like he's beyond this matchup, right? I mean, one is opener. I, I don't know. It feels weird that his second fight in the O2 arena would be, he'd be a plus or a minus 700. You know, it just feels like. Which sucks because yeah. I can't bet on him. And I mean, I, maybe I'll find a prop <laughs> or something, but it's like, I'm, I'm not betting minus 700. Hey. Hey, when it's like that, you, you you throw 20 bucks on the other guy. I mean, you know, you just. Yeah, I, I guess. Mean, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, like buying a lotto ticket. I know. I don't think with that a much higher probability of, of cashing in than, than the actual lotto. That is that <laughs> is very true. But no. And, and I want to I want to build up uh, on James's point about building Pimblet up slowly, because then the other thing we just have to consider is the weight class that he fights in lightweight. I mean, it's, it's a buzzsaw, right? When you look at it and, and listen, I, I, I think Pimblet's got some potential, but do I think he's in the same league right now? And I'm, I'm going off the UFC rankings here. You know, Charles Oliveira is the champ, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Islam Mahachev. As soon as he gets the title, he's keeping that thing for a few years at least. Benil Dariush, Michael Chandler, Rafael Dos Anjos, Tony Ferg. Yeah, I think uh, to, to be to be fair, once you start to get into the latter part of the top ten, I like I can envision like if Patty Pimblett improves with every fight, like I can picture him maybe getting to the level of a guy like Tony Ferguson, who's a bit washed. Right. I mean, Dan Hooker, I like a lot. He's fighting on this card as well. Gregor Gillespie. So I, I could see him maybe finding a place at some point in the latter half of the top 10. But to crack that top five in that weight class, that's going to be tough. So you're calling him Darren Till because, you know, what's going to happen. He's going to win yeah. a few fights to be interesting. And then he's going to actually face the meat of the division and he's going to get wiped. I mean, that sounds yeah. like what you're saying. And it will all depend on evolution. You know where he's going, how hard he's working to improve his game fight to fight. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to expect yet. I don't know enough about him. And like you said, his, that, that first fight, I, I don't know that I learned much about him at all, except that he takes unnecessary risks, took a lot of shots. And there's not a lot of guys in the top half of that division that you could do that to and survive. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I learned about him in that first fight was he, he brought, he brought the excitement that was advertised. Like, I think that at the same time, like I knew coming in, how hyped he was right because he was and again, he was already getting some of the mcgregor comparisons right you know, coming out of cage warriors and having like the uh you know maybe not usually as mean but having like that foul mouth right and and really doing a lot of talking so like i, I thought he was going to go in there and just destroy his opponent but he had to nearly get destroyed first to do it so i i had some and i thought he was going to get knocked out so i'm like oh man that that and i bet on him in that fight so i was like oh my god what is happening here so he ended up he ended up coming through uh so i i definitely learned he's exciting but i i had some reservations about him as a competitor if he wins where do you guys think what do you guys think they do cuz we're not going to learn anything about him in this fight yeah. You know, except hopefully that he, you know, doesn't get hit a bunch of times before he wins the fight. So, like, after this fight, which is a total mismatch on paper anyway, yeah. what do they do with him next? Is it going to be like James said, he's going to keep carrying him, give him another give him another stiff? Slow play it. I think he's slow yeah. play it. Another unranked person, you know, maybe two or three more unranked people. Just let him build. I, I think this year is just all about building him up. See if he can handle it. I mean, 
I don't even think the UFC knows if he can handle, you know, UFC level competition uh, consistently anyway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if they give him two or three unranked opponents this year, I think that's a good year for him. And then maybe in 2023, you start giving him those top 10, top 10 guys to see if he can, uh, you know, but the guys you mentioned in top five, oof, I, I, stay, why, away from, why, stay away from those so, guys. Why so long from his first fight to now? Does anyone know? I don't know the answer to that question. Hasn't yeah. it been a while since he? No, I think it was. Uh, I felt like I, it was a long time ago. So my bad. I, I think it was less than a year ago because I, I remember. I remember watching it, and it was. Uh, it it was. I thought it was around a year, so it just felt it just felt like a long time for a guy yeah, getting I, started. I, you know. It, hold on, I, I can pull up his fight finder. It's going to take me a second because he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, which is shocking. But I'll tell you exactly. Okay, September. Again, if he was Irish, he'd have yeah. a Wikipedia page. So. It's, it's been about it's been about six months. Uh, September. Oh. Was right. when he was when he fought last because I yeah guys I remembered it didn't because I, I distinctly remember betting on him freaking out when I thought he was going to lose and then he won I'm like Patty the Patty let's go let's okay so this go. is this, uh, this, so so you guys are both right so the fix is in so they just put him on ice for the O2 Arena gave him another stiff and he'll probably be on ice yeah. again until they got another event over there <laughs> yeah well and I, I feel like since they, they haven't done events over there in you know three years uh because of covid i, I feel like they're they're going to want to put on more events over there now so they'll they, they may make him like the mismatch uk guy for like his next couple fights like uh because I, I think james is right because initially i was thinking you know if he wins this fight in dominant fashion then maybe you try to match him up with someone like near the bottom of the top 15 but i i think james is right and listen I can understand it because the ufc they they've been forced to neglect the european continent for the last, you know, almost three years because they haven't been able to do events over there because of COVID. And I know, like, they feel like they have some catching up to do, right? Like, they were able to go over to Fight Island with, you know, the Middle Eastern market, but they, they used to really, really try and get more headway in Europe. They haven't been able to do it. And now they have a guy who could potentially, he's got enough charisma to be, like, the face of the European continent. So they'll they'll probably feed him tomato cans for a couple more fights. Um but before we get into uh, the toss-up, I, I want to say a few words about the main event. Um, th th this could either be a really exciting fight or a really boring fight, depending on which guy takes control. Uh, if Alexander Volkov can kind of, you know, use his range and his very careful, accurate striking and, and really take control of Tom Aspinall, then we may be in for more of a boring fight. Whereas Tom Aspinall... Um, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on him. I think this is a great test for him. You know, we've seen him score impressive wins in the past. Like he got my attention a while back when he when he took out Andre Arlovsky because that was especially a couple of years ago, a really, really tough out. He's been on on a big rise since I think he's four and oh in the octagon, I want to say. Um, but let me pull up his uh, his fight record. So we have the the absolute accurate uh, stuff here. He also uh, he's he's got he's got a wrestling and boxing background and he's very good in jujitsu so he's a well-rounded guy yeah he's on a seven fight winning streak overall as Aspinall four straight fights since debuting in the UFC uh, debuted with a win over Jake Collier by TKO Alan Badeau by TKO submitted Andre Arlovsky with a rear naked choke and most recently back in September same card that Pimblet fought on actually he beat uh, Sergey Spivak by TKO uh, these these guys are both gigantic um, which is nice. And I think Aspinall is not just tall and lanky like Volkov is. Aspinall is also, he's got that like uncommon athleticism for a guy that size. Cause a lot of times, like, 
you know, you think about uh, the the way the way Volkanovski moves, the way that uh, Stefan Struve used to used to move, where it's like you know a little bit lumbering, not very fast, but they've got long reach. Like Aspinall is faster and more explosive. He's got a lot of ways to win this fight. Uh, let me pull up the odds for this one so we can see how it shakes out in the main event. Uh, I, I, I'll pull that up in a second. So, uh, Frank, I'll, I'll let I'll let you pick up on this one while I pull up the odds. Well, I was just going to say that I, I don't I don't see it as really I'm not able to pick a clear cut favorite in this fight. I mean, you know, Volkanov's uh, his his length and his height, you know, really, if he can if he can utilize his length to keep him at bay and uh, and and use striking range effectively, I think it could be a very good fight for him. And if uh, uh, if Aspinall is able to close distance and make it dirty, which I think is what he's going to want to do, um, and you know also execute takedowns, um, you know then I think it could be his fight. But I, you know I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know. I don't have enough you know time watching either guy to give you any kind of definitive opinion on who's going to be able to execute that game plan. Well, and, but, and that's fair because Frank, I got the odds open and it's really close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Aspinall slight favorite at minus one thirty two, Volkov plus one hundred five, and I feel like the minus one thirty two for Aspinall is like the home crowd thing, like you know home country <laughs> type of effect. I think is why why he gets the slight tie there. I mean, it's fun to watch fights like this when it's really clear what each guy's strategy needs to be, and and then watch to see who can who can execute. But I think there's a lot of enthusiasm in that division right now with Ngannou on the sideline with a knee injury indefinitely, and also contract situation undetermined. So from that standpoint, like you know, suddenly the sky's the limit in terms of where they could get in the interim. Yeah, and Volkov is is has always been hard to read uh, for me. First of all, I, I just do not like his back tattoo for one, but um yeah the stingray thing yeah i think he has a big red i don't know maybe 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 i got the wrong guy um pull, pull up his his back tattoo but but volkov for me he, he wins when i think he's gonna lose and then he loses when i think he's gonna win i, I that's the heavyweight just, division man yeah. yeah it's just up and down i just really don't really have a a good read um you know on him so uh i mean this could be one of those situations where he's you know kind of serving as the 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 litmus test for the, you know, the hot, you know, the hot prospect, so to speak. Um, and if, if, you know, uh, uh, Aspinall beats him, then, you know, maybe he's ready for, you know, one of those top, top three, top four, top five guys. But, uh, but yeah, it, it should be a pretty good fight, a pretty good heavyweight fight to, to determine. I just think it's a solid, especially for free cards, a solid fight, solid main event. I like what Alex said too about Aspinall's athleticism because that is really like when when we all started with mixed martial arts, like that was what was devoid in the heavyweight division was yeah. athleticism. And then you know over the years we've seen it where that you know what do you show? Oh yeah, here's the back tattoo. Okay. So I guess uh, it's, yeah. So I, I was remember. I think I think it Man, started out. It started out as a stingray, and then he like he turned it into like the the face of of somebody who looks like uh, like a not a very nice person on the back. So yeah, that's a lot of ink because he's a big a dude, man. man. Yeah, I don't even I, I I can't imagine how many hours that was in the chair. Yeah, I don't have any tattoos. I don't know how long uh, you, you got something right for like how long does it take for like an, an average size tattoo? I, I have no idea. Uh, the one on my shoulder has some detail to it, so you know that okay. was I think that was probably a couple hours. Um, you know, so something like that would be many many visits. Over Jeez. a long period of time, yeah. 
And and something that is it going to feel good in twenty years? You're going to look at that guy. I don't. I don't think that was a great decision. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. No. No. No doubt. So. Uh, <laughs> really, honestly, like the cool thing now is to not have one, right? Everyone's covered in tattoos, so like you know, yeah. be the guy without it, without one. Yeah, uh, it, I, I, I don't have any. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm so same here. But I, I'm so uncool that if you're telling me that now it's cool not to have them, I need to go out and like get a whole full body tattoo. Because I'm so, I'm, I'm such a square. I need get a necklace. Get a necklace, Alex. Yeah, I've got. I'm gonna get a forehead tattoo, like face, like yeah. Mike Tyson. I'm, I'm gonna do the whole thing. So let, let me go through, uh, through, through some of the odds on the main card real quick. Uh, I mentioned really, really close odds in the main event. Aspinall minus one thirty-two. Volkov plus one hundred five. Uh, co-main event really tight. I think that's the tightest odds on the full card. There's a pick'em fight basically. Arnold Allen minus one fifteen, Dan Hooker minus one hundred five. Uh, Patty the Batty should steamroll Rodrigo Vargas. Emphasis on should. Uh, Patty is a minus seven hundred favorite to plus four fifty. Uh, by the way, we hadn't even talked about this one. I think this is worth mentioning because he's been away for three years now, two and a half years, I think officially. Gunnar Nelson. Minus 500. He makes his return. And, you know, he's from Iceland. He trains at SBG Ireland. He's fighting in England. So this is this is another European fighter. But the guy the guy is about as entertaining as a brick wall. So it's not, uh, you know, Unless he's you like jujitsu, <laughs> which I do. I, yeah, I, I, I enjoy do watching jujitsu, but also a lot of people don't enjoy watching jujitsu and Gunnar Nelson. Just he's no personality. <laughs> whatsoever like there is there's no personality behind that guy uh, but he's a minus 500 favorite against Takashi Sato who's a, a late a late uh, replacement at plus uh, 375 uh Molly McCann uh, is this is another really close fight actually uh Luana Carolina and Molly McCann are basically uh, close to pickums Molly McCann now minus 145 Carolina plus 120 and uh Ilya Tupuria who got into a little spat with Patty Pimblett. It's funny. Patty said he thinks Deporia is just going to get knocked out. No problem. Ilya is a gigantic favorite. Minus 625 <laughs> to Jai Herbert's plus 400. So that's how that's how the odds stack up in the main card in London. But, uh, you know, we want to get to our favorite part of each and every show. A new edition of the toss-up. I worked really hard on these guys. You ready? You always in honor, in honor of Batty Patty Pimblet's altercation with Tapuria, what are your favorite dust-ups in the history of MMA? There are some good dust-ups. I'll, I'll give you a couple of them, and then I'll tell you what my favorite one was ever, okay? Uh, I, I like the dust-up at the presser that John Jones and Daniel Cormier had where you saw, you saw a shoe fly at John Jones, and then you realize at the end of it, DC only had one shoe on. So we figured we figured out where the shoe came from. Yep. <laughs> we, we figured out whose shoe it was. Um, you know, okay, if we're gonna again, we're gonna do the Connor McGregor Patty Pimblet comparison. Pimblet had the dust up this week. Connor McGregor had one of the craziest meltdowns where he was trying to attack the bus that Khabib Nurmagomedov was on, and he threw the handcart at the bus and like he got arrested for it. So that was pretty crazy. Um, my favorite one, though, ever, guys, and this was this was actually inside of a cage, but not during a fight, when when the Diaz brothers and Gilbert Melendez and Jake Shields, when they got into it, uh, what was it, with oh Mayhem Miller? You remember? That was, yeah, after a Dan Henderson fight, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. That got that got Strike Force taken off of network TV. They never got yeah. allowed back. Remember, like it was a big it was it was I think it was the second or third show that Strike Force did on CBS. Nobody cares anymore, but back then this was like 12, 13 years ago. Being on network TV was a big deal. Like now, now everyone just wants to do streaming and charge money for the internet only. But back in those days, being on CBS, Strike Force on CBS was a big deal. You had my guys stock. They, they live that life, man. Stockton. You do not want to fuck with Stockton. The 209. They had that brawl inside the strike force cage after the fight when Mayhem Miller got in there and was running his mouth. And uh, and that it, it, it looked we- like it almost looked like one of those stage pro wrestling fights. But I think it was legit, man, because the Diaz brothers don't do anything fake. That was my favorite, James. <laughs> well, you mentioned you mentioned Connor, uh, but I, I got and, and the Diaz brothers. But I, I got another Connor Diaz one that that. I like mostly because it was safe. No one got hurt. Um, when Connor was throwing the uh, cans up at the Diaz brothers uh, who were talking smack to Connor, I think he ca- he came late to a press conference. So Nate Nate did his stuff, um, you know, did his press conference. He was like, "Where's Connor at?" Connor came late as usual. So Nate said, "You know what? I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm walking off." And then Connor comes, you know, sits down. And Nate's talking trash, and Connor is throwing stuff at each other from a distance. Um, so that was that was interesting, and it was safe. No one got hurt. Um, you know, unlike the the dolly that that Connor threw at the bus that that cut Rose Namajunas and some other people, I, I believe, um, on on that bus. So that that would probably be my, the most interesting that I could think of off the top of my head. Man, you guys took them all. I mean, I, I got Masvidal Edwards. That's it. But uh, look, that's a my, great one. But yeah, I didn't, fa- we didn't mention that one. That's my favorite. One. You, my favorite. You guys probably didn't even ever see. Okay. It, it, you know, it posted. It went viral on social media. The retired Dan Henderson's in his house chilling. And I love this one as, a, as an older guy and a dad. Daughter's fiance is there, tall guy. And he says, it's all on camera, you know, and he says to, to Dan, he says, yeah, you're not that big. You could hit me with a leg kick. Let's see. Let's see how I, I could take it. And, you know, Dan, you know, he's very understated. He goes, you know, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. And he whips that leg around, and that guy screams like a girl and goes falls into a pile. I, I, I had heard that his knee was actually torn up from the kick, but, I mean, just fantastic. I mean, not really a dust-up, but I just love that. I just love when a layperson just thinks, yeah, I can handle that. Dan Henderson, man, I still wouldn't mess with that guy. No, Maybe one of my top three favorite fighters of all Maybe time. Maybe that's who you should fight. <laughs> no way. You're the same age, no right? <laughs> not unless he's not unless he's experiencing paralysis. But yes, we are <laughs> the same age. Uh, Dana White went on Logan Paul's podcast, which just pumped the brakes. Holy shit! Did he really? Right? He did. Uh, and didn't completely dismiss the idea of Logan getting a fight in the UFC. Do you think we'll see either Paul brother in the octagon anytime soon? Uh, yes. Or at all? <laughs> at all? Yes, I honestly do. Because at the end of the day, Dana White can talk all he wants to about, you know, the competitive integrity of the UFC. He can talk all he wants to about it. At the end of the day, he's in the money-making business, okay? And you can't tell me the promoter that gave two UFC fights to CM Punk. Bang, that was my line! Damn it! (laughs) Like, honestly, Logan Paul actually has a better combat sports background than CM Punk. CM Punk w- was an actor. Like he, WWE wrestler, uh, which I'm not and and I don't I don't want to offend James cuz he's a <laughs> fan. I don't want to offend you. 
CM Punk's I, hot right now on the pro wrestling no, I'm, circuit. I'm sure, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. But like, all I'm saying is, like, to do that job well, you don't necessarily have to really be able to beat people up. You need to be really athletic. You need to be able to take punishment. You need to be able to learn the moves, work the mic. Great pro wrestler. And there are some pro wrestlers. I mean, Brock Lesnar was in the WWE. He became a UFC heavyweight champion. You know, Bobby Lashley had a decent MMA career. Like, uh, there, there are some pro wrestlers who actually have backgrounds in combat that can make them effective in the UFC, specifically guys who, you know, collegiate wrestlers uh, and all that. But CM Punk was none of those things. Zero combat sports background. He was just an actor, okay? Logan Paul, and I'm, I'm not sticking up for him. I'm simply comparing him to CM Punk. Logan Paul has professional boxing fights on his record. He, uh, he was actually an accomplished high school wrestler, which is more than you can say about CM Punk. So I'm not saying Logan Paul belongs in the UFC, but compared to CM Punk, he does. And the CM Punk experiment showed you, obviously Dana White cares more about making money than the actual integrity of the sport. And both the Paul brothers, I mean, Jake Paul is, he's the hotter commodity and he's the better boxer, right? Logan Paul is a shit boxer, but, you know, Jake Paul's actually decent at boxing. They're both trying to run their mouths to talk themselves into a UFC fight. Eventually, I think either of them or both of them will get a chance in the octagon because money talks and Dana White wants to make money. Those are great points, but I'm actually going to disagree with you on this uh, for the simple reason, and that is money. Uh, the UFC won't pay John Jones, the GOAT, $10 million to do a fight. They won't pay Francis Ngannou the money he deserves to defend the heavyweight title. What makes you think that they're going to pay Logan Paul or, or Jake Paul the type of money that they're making in the boxing ring already to fight in a UFC fight? You think they're going to pay them seven figures, eight figures to do a Boy. UFC fight yeah. and not pay Francis Ngannou, who, who's legitimately has earned it and deserves it, or even John Jones, despite his character concerns? Um, you know, has, has, you know, has rose to that level to where he can get a, a eight figure check, um, you know, in, in his career. So I just don't see how they're going to how they're going to work out the financials of it. I think Dana White would do it for the, you know, for the potential of money making and the star power and all that stuff. But I, I just don't see how they're going to pay uh, Logan or Jake Paul that kind of money when they're not paying any of their fighters uh, the kind of money that those two guys are making in the boxing ring. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know how they would either. Jake or Logan Paul would have to look at it as an investment in the expansion of their brand. I mean, that's what they would have to do because the money that they would get wouldn't be anything compared to what they're doing with their uh, with their kind of, I don't know, I want to call it BS, but their highly manipulated boxing uh, careers so far. But you know what? To, to their credit, they're making a shit ton of money yeah. um, and they're, they're ginormously popular. So, you know, to Alex's point, the UFC absolutely benefits from the association. And the UFC would benefit tremendously from either one of them getting their ass kicked in the octagon because that kind of like sets the tone of this is where real fights happen and you came in here and that's what happened to you. Um, so I guess the Pauls would have to balance the investment in their own careers against the potential of getting embarrassed themselves. And so I think the only thing that's the only solution would be a co-promotion, which there's no flipping way the UFC would do with them the way they did with Floyd Mayweather. So um yeah, it's hard to imagine how it comes together, but I saw a video of uh, Jake Paul practicing grappling out on the beach. So, uh, well, and, and, and Jake is trying—he's trying so badly to get a fight with Connor. Like he's—he is 
begging and pleading for it. By the way, his comment was really funny. That Conor McGregor video, I mean, Conor McGregor was standing straight up, chin up in the air, throwing the punches. I mean, I don't know why, you know, uh, you know, you know, people post videos sometimes. I don't think they think it through, but right. I thought Jake Paul's commentary back was really funny, actually, you know. So uh, Conor McGregor, man, I don't know. I should have added a question about him. But uh, all right. Were you impressed with uh, – Uncle, how do you say his name? Ankalaev. Ankalaev's performance yeah. against Tiago Santos last week. I fell asleep. So, <laughs> I mean, okay. Here's here's my angle. It wasn't a good fight by any stretch of the imagination, but I think there was a reason for that, and I was actually kind of impressed. And Ankalaev did talk about this a little bit in his post-fight interview. He basically used that fight as a training session for himself because at any point in time, this was a five-round main event. He won it by decision. Pretty damn clear on the scorecards. I had it scored four rounds to one in his favor, but I was fighting off sleep the entire time. But uh, Ankalaev, who at any point, first round, second round, third round, could have just ragdolled Tiago Santos. He made a conscious decision and i know fans don't want to hear this because fans just want they they want fighters to try to finish every fight quickly and they want blood right like he he made a conscious decision to just test his striking out and stand and trade with them and it was obvious like i i had that thought during the fight i'm like at any point this guy is a combat sambo master at any point he can take tiago santos down and do that dagestani thing that that his countrymen all love to do right but he didn't take him down until the fourth round, okay? Uh, and, you know, he he was doing – I mean, Ankalaev is not a boxer. He landed some shots. He, he was he was decent with his hands. He also got caught a little bit. There was one – it was either the – I think it was the second round, uh, maybe the third round, when Tiago Santos actually caught him and hurt him a little bit. And so he, he ate some shots, but he made a conscious decision to test out a part of his game that is behind – the other part of his game, like he tested out his weaknesses rather than going to his strengths, which is kind of a ballsy thing to do against a guy who hits as hard as Tiago Santos, because Tiago Santos is fight ending power. But Uncle, I have decided, even though I can easily take this guy down and ragdoll him and probably, you know, probably ground him out. Uh, I'm not going to say submit him because I don't think he has a single submission win on his record. He's more of a ground and pound type guy. He could have gone to that at any point. He chose to stand and trade with him. The result, unfortunately, was a fight that lasted way longer than it should have, and it wasn't exciting. But I was actually kind of impressed with the fact that he decided to stick with his weakness rather than his strength and still win the fight. Well, I, I think Ankalaev probably added another fight or two uh, to his road to a title if he's going to get there because the UFC brass can't be impressed with, with that kind of performance. They, they, they put him in the main event. You know, it was a showcase opportunity against a, a former title contender, a former title challenger. And as you mentioned, it, it was it was a snooze fest. So if that's what he chose to do, which I'm, you know, I'm not going to say he, he didn't or he did, uh, but if that's what he chose to do. You know, he's pretty much standing still because it wasn't an impressive performance enough to where they can say, oh, OK, wow, this guy's one fight away from a title now. You know, he beat a top ranked guy, but he's probably in the same spot that he was before the fight to where he still probably has to win two, three more fights to get where he was. So I, I, I disagree with that decision to do that because uh, he just, you know, he just made his road to the title much harder. It, it definitely, I mean, to, to your point, um, it, it was, it, and he even admitted like his corner was telling him, take this dude down. And it, he didn't listen. Like he even said that. And so 
you're not wrong, right? Like I, I, I was, I was simply impressed with a guy who still won a fight despite purposely fighting at his weakest area. But you're, you're, I think I am right, but you're also right because you know maybe he just doesn't understand because he, he just maybe comes from a culture where his approach is like I, I don't, I don't care about being glamorous. I don't care about winning over fans i'm just out here to win and improve and get better so there, there just may be something literally lost in translation for him where he doesn't understand that you're right that it, when when dana white is uh you know and the ufc matchmakers are deciding like you know who's rising up the ranks who's getting towards a title fight not only do you need to win you need to look good and impressive and decisive doing it it's a real difference right of mma fighter perspective you have the george st pierre camp i'll call it where Hey, uh, George is really, really good at getting those takedowns. And in his, especially the latter half of his dominant run at welterweight, that's what he was going to do. And if it was boring, tough shit, like that's how he wins. That's how he minimizes danger, you know, and whomever he's fighting, he's just going to execute what he does best. John Jones camp on the other side, especially in the latter half of his dominant run in the 205 pound division. He would frustratingly decide to abandon things that he did brilliantly well and instead fight your fight. You know, I'm going to beat you at what you do best. And it it, it caused some, I thought, some clo- unnecessarily close decisions, particularly at the end of his 205 run. So, you know, it's kind of like two schools of thought there. So maybe the guy and I think the one school of thought, John Jones, is driven by ego. So maybe this guy is uh, maybe it's not lost in translation. Maybe it's just an egomaniac. You know, he's like, uh, you know, I know I could choke you out, but everyone's going to say that I just took advantage of you. You know, so I'm going to stand with this dangerous striker because I'm better than you, even though I'm not as good a striker. You know, it's just ego talking. I don't know. But the difference, Frank, is that the two guys you mentioned, GSP and John Jones, they already had the strap. They already had the belt yeah. around their waist to Great where you point. can't deny them. They're going to be main event yeah. guys at that point. Ankaliyev is trying to work his way up. Um, so I don't know if it's the timing is right to be doing that. Now, if you got the title, you, you're the champ, you know, you do whatever you want. You're defending your belt. Uh, that's fine. You're going to be in the main events. You're going to make big money. You're going to get big fights. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you do that right now, um, especially if you don't have to. Yep. I agree. I agree with that. No, it's a, it's a good point. All right. Before uh, another thing. I, well, actually, but before we a couple things I wanted to get into real quick here. Before we wrap it up, I mean, to- Tony two times mentioned how how exciting the fight card was. I mean, just you look at the way that Song Yadong uh, put out your guy, Frank. Um, Marlon Marais. Marlon Marais. Yeah, I don't know why his name escaped me for a second. I mean, that that was as savage as an uppercut, as you'll see. And we had a ton of highlight reel moments on the undercard before the main event completely slowed things down. Yes, I mean, you know, like you know, the UFC. I mean, you know, you can't put, you can't fault them for that, right? I mean, it's just the fights play out the way they play out. So, I mean, you know, I don't know what to say about that except that it was a really great card up until I fell asleep <laughs> watching a training session. Watching a, is he from Dagestan? So he's watching a Dagestani yeah, training session. He yeah. Is. So you I knew he wasn't going to lose. Guys out of there. Yeah. I hope they got all those guys out of there. They're safe in Vegas. The I, I, I hope so too. I mean, I, I know, I know, Habib is safe because I saw him at uh, the Eagle FC event last week, and I, I was, guys, I was like, um, at one point, I was like eight feet away from him, and like I, I wanted to say something to him, but I just too much. You got aura. to man. I couldn't. You know, I, I, I did, I did say hello to Chael Sonnen. I saw Chael Sonnen there. I'd and, be and, more and, nervous to say something to Chael. 
Well, here's the thing. Chael, it's so funny. He disarms you. Because when I saw Chael, he was walking down the hallway. Like, I was, you know, this was, like, in the bowels of the arena. Like, I'm, I'm, wa- I'm looking for the restroom. He's walking the other way. And Chael, he's got this, like, this persona about him where he knows he's a really recognizable, really charismatic guy. And he knows, like, when he's walking down the hallway – he looked at me like before I even made eye contact with him. He's looking at me like, I know this guy knows who I am. And I know I'm making his day by walking by him right now. Like it's great. Like, he, you know, he's at an MMA event. He probably realized every person here recognizes me. Right. So even before I locked eyes with Chael P. Sonnen, like he was already grinning at me. Like this guy knows who I am. I'm like, I'm like, hey, Chael, big fan. I love your YouTube channel. You keep rocking it. Like something stupid like that is what I said. I went about my day. But when I saw when I saw Khabib, I couldn't say anything. I was just take a picture with Chael. No, I didn't take a picture with him because I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not. I, I know I'm that this is that. part. This is part of the Zaffrey playbook. When, when I'm when I'm at an event <laughs> with a media credential, I don't think it's ethical to take photos with I people. Agree. See, well, it, J- J- James is a vet. Like, Frank, you could do it because you're not, you don't work in the biz like I do and James used to. Fr- Frankie Z, I know you would have taken a selfie with him for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm tossing that media badge. You know, as soon as I get in, I got a cocktail in one hand, the phone in the other, and I'm saying, Chael, get a shot with me, bro. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I But it, but Khabib, too, you got to talk to him. I mean, I couldn't. Holy shit. I mean, Plus, I'm like, I'm not even sure. Does he understand enough English? Like, I know, like, I know he speaks a little bit of English when he's doing interviews, but like yeah. a, a lot, like sometimes these guys can speak it, but they can't understand it. And I didn't want to, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I wanted to get into a whole thing with Khabib. Plus he was, he was a very intense guy. I just, I couldn't. couldn't Alex, how, how well run was the, was the fights? It was, it was really well run. It, it's an interesting type of vibe. And like James, you, you may know this from, uh, from pro wrestling. Cause some of the wrestling promoters do it like this where, it was like a made-for-TV event. Like they, they didn't. There were no tickets. It's in like a, it's in a converted movie studio, like a soundstage is where they do it. The setup is beautiful. They're in a soundstage, so great acoustics, first-class lighting. The cage looks great. All the bells and whistles. But um, I guess it was kind of like what the Apex, the UFC Apex type of vibe is, where like there there were some people there, but they were like VIPs, like friends and family. A lot of pro fighters were there. Um, Kayla Harrison was there. I want to talk about her in a second. Uh, a lot, you know, Dan Lambert was there. A lot of the American top team fighters were out there. I saw Hector Lombard out there. So it, yeah, so it was just like it was a VIP media, media and VIPs, but it looked great. It, it reminded me a little bit. You, you went to a couple of the PFL events mm-hmm. as I did, James. It was a little bit like that type of vibe, but an, even a smaller venue than that one. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Yeah, and so, and so Frank, um, we, we came to find out last week – Kayla Harrison, who was, you know, one of the biggest free agents in, in MMA, um, she's she's sticking with PFL, but it's not really her choice, okay? Because PFL had matching rights to keep her services. She got an offer from the UFC. Apparently that offer, and it goes back to what James was saying about money, the UFC didn't offer her nearly the dollar amount she got elsewhere. She did get a lucrative offer from Bellator. And Kayla was like already talking about it. Like she was going to go over to Bellator and fight Cyborg. I didn't know this until it happened. PFL had matching rights. So PFL matched Kayla's Bellator offer. So she couldn't leave. So Kayla Harrison is still with PFL. And listen, she's going to make a lot of money there. She's going to steamroll the competition there. 
I do feel a little bit bad for her, though, because I know Kayla, she's an Olympic gold medalist in judo, decorated multi-time gold medalist. I know she wants to get paid, but I also know she wants to compete with the best of the best. So I, I feel bad that uh, unless unless PFL and Bellator can find a way to co-promote, I know the UFC wouldn't do it, but maybe Bellator would. If they can co-promote a cyborg fight, that would be awesome. Otherwise, she's just going to keep choking out and knocking out nobody's. At, at the top of you know the 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 at the top of the heap of of marketable women that Bellator or UFC would be willing to pay like big time money, we're talking about one thirty five and below though, right? And, and Kayla's 145, yeah. right? So, I mean, she's in that bad spot also, I think. I, I, mean, I, mean, I feel like the story has educated us on what the real marketability of certain female fighters are based on, on where they are and, and you know, how, how well the, the particular divisions perform for the two leagues. You know, because really it's Cyborg and then that's it, right? That's why she's running over everything in, in PFL. So, you know, it's – you know. She, does she have to lose weight to make a, a real run at uh, at a, like a UFC or I mean because look if the UFC or Bellator really wants you, yeah sure that offer would be lucrative. It'd be so lucrative that a little league like PFL would not be able to match it. Right. Well, well, as when we were at the PFL events, um, you know we were around and we got to talk to people there, and it, it, I felt there was a quiet confidence at that time that they felt they were not going to lose Kayla Harrison. I didn't know why. Right. I'm like, why would a small organization like PFL feel so confident about this? Like UFC, Bellator, like that. But it turns out they had that restrictive free agent clause. We were kind of saying Kayla this whole time was a free agent, a free agent, a free agent. We didn't really know uh, whether she was kind of unrestricted or restricted. So they had the the, the right to match. And, and and use you know and use that and, and they 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 brought the Brinks truck I guess Bellator made a, a lucrative offer and they you know well, we don't know we don't know how lucrative right and like PFL's not going to put themselves into bankruptcy to keep her yeah. so I mean it had to be it, it couldn't have been that lucrative is I guess the point I'm trying to make yeah no, yeah I, I don't I don't know I mean they're they're already you know they they do pay out uh, a million bucks with these turns so they they've they've got some investors I'm I'm not saying they have UFC money but I also I also think to James's point like yeah I I don't know exactly how much they're paying her but I do know that uh they consider her the face of their organization like yeah. they've got some decent fighters but she she's a world class athlete and like but she they're... she's got those credentials but their whole business model isn't predicated on retaining, right? What I think they do really great is that they have figured out their niche. You don't want to be Scott Coker and fighting directly with the UFC, in my opinion. Right. They've got fighters on the ascendancy who are ultimately going to leave, which she should have been one of them, and then fighters on the downside, right, who still have marketable names that they can pick up. So that's who they are. They're a, they're a developmental league and a retirement league. Perfect right. market position. I think it's brilliant. I and mean, yeah. we've been talking about that for a long time, Alex. That that's really where a, a competing league, an, another another existing league, would have to position themselves. Well, and also, and then, and I like know, the fact that I like the fact that they where yeah. someone who clearly should be moving out, they spend a bunch of money to keep. Hmm. I, I, they can't make that much money on her. I don't understand it. Well, I think speaking, they might be getting away from their business plan. I think they might regret that. Speaking of uh, of retirement homes. Uh, I was legitimately worried heading into the event last Friday about Diego Sanchez's personal health and safety going up against Kevin Lee, but he he, held, he clearly lost the fight, but he held his own. Diego had some moments. He landed some shots, landed a really nice body kick at one point. You know, uh, it, Kevin Lee apparently was fighting injured, 
But still, I, I thought Lee, who is, you know, not long removed from a, a good UFC career. I mean, he, he was he was had a solid run in the lightweight division in the UFC, which is a wood chipper of a division. I, I thought he was just going to destroy Diego, who's just 10 years removed from his prime, if we're being real here. But, you know, San- Sanchez at least made it competitive at some point. Yeah, he's always been a warrior. He's always been tough to finish. Um, and yeah, it was a good good test for Kevin Lee. And I, I like what Eagle, uh, you know, what Eagle FC is doing. They're putting together some some pretty solid uh, bouts. Obviously, they're not going to be direct competitors to the the big dogs as, as you guys had mentioned, but they're they're getting some guys in, and, and putting on some good fights. So you know, props to Khabib for 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 doing that. I'm sure he's going to get better. Yeah. Not to rehash my whole diatribe there, but I mean, yeah, for Eagle FC, you need to pick your spot. You need that's who you need to be. Like Kevin Lee. Like Alex and I were talking pre-show, like James, maybe one of the greater uh, uh, examples of wasted talent that's come through the UFC. I mean, all the tools on paper, tremendous athlete, tremendous wrestler, and just kind of like, you know, so. And now he's over in, you know, Ego FC struggling with a 65-year-old lunatic Diego Sanchez. But I guess anyone would because if you don't hit him with a baseball bat, he's not going away, you know. And I, I think that was my first time ever seeing uh, Diego Sanchez in person. And, man, I had forgotten that he he's my dude. Like, I, I sometimes – I don't even appreciate how much I appreciate Diego Sanchez, if that makes any sense, right? Because he, he's he's got some of those same characteristics that I love about the Diaz brothers where – he's legitimately insane like we we like Diego I I can remember interviewing Diego like 15 years ago and he was talking about he he went into like a 15 minute monologue about why you remember when he changed his name from the nightmare to the dream like he went on I asked him just one question I'm like hey bro like why why?" this was right after he changed the game like hey Diego how come you change your nickname from the nightmare to the dream and he gave me a 15 minute sermon like he was he like he was quoting Bible verses. He was talking about his Lord and Savior. He, He's out of his mind. Yeah, he was mind. talking about how like he he thought that the nightmare was too negative and, and the dream. He can un- unleash positivity. And then he told me the origins of the yes cartwheel thing that he used to do. He's probably got too much arthritis to do cartwheels at this point in his life. But. It was incredible. Like I, I was like, "Wow, this this guy, he's my kind of guy." Uh, and and you seeing him in person, and he's got that that face he does, and the stare downs, that snarl he does. How did, how did you not? How did you not start laughing when he said, "You know, Alex, I was thinking nightmares kind of negative." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did that just occur to you? <laughs> I, think, I think I did. I think I did start laughing a little bit when he said that. Uh, oh but yeah, God. but little, last thing I wanted to get to before we wrap it up. Uh, I think this is a, this is a really cool story, and it's not even the first time he's stopped a crime from happening. UFC fighter Kevin Holland, who just like two weeks ago, he just beat Alex Oliveira in the octagon. And then a week and a half after that, this guy actually, he broke up a shooting. He was reportedly among three patrons that took down a man who pulled out a gun and opened fire in a restaurant in Houston that had approximately 50 people inside. The suspect was taken down by Holland and two other individuals that were out at the raw sushi establishment in the Highland Village area. So th- three of these guys, incredibly brave to do that because if if I'm at, if, if I've, I've never been in, thank God, but if I was in a situation where I'm out at a public place and somebody 
pulls out a gun and starts firing. I don't know how I would. I would probably try to hide behind something. I would not try to take that person down. And Holland, who's obviously got training, he's a professional MMA fighter. And he also mentioned he's got uh, he does a lot of self-defense training. So I guess like he, he was built for this sort of situation. Um, he said, quote, I wouldn't tell the next person to do it unless they're seriously trained for that type of situation. He told ESPN, besides doing cage fighting, I train self-defense first and foremost. For me, that was the best way to defend myself at that moment. He added then, plus, I like Batman. So he's like a real life Batman, James, is a real life superhero. Yeah, I mean, this is how it should be, right? The world should be a safer place uh, due to professional MMA fighters. There's, there's some MMA fighters that, that wreak havoc and, and you know, use their powers for, for evil. or Not for evil. I don't want to say that, but for, for, for bad things, you know. And, and there's some MMA fighters that, that use their powers for good. Uh, so, you know, the, if, if you're an establishment, Frank, you've been in this situation many times where, you know, you're out and about and there's professional MMA fighters around. It should feel like the safest place on earth, really, because... Everyone should stay in line. It should be no big issues. And if something crazy like that happens, uh, you know, there's there, there are people there that are brave enough and trained enough to effectively, uh, you know, uh, uh, quiet this quiet the situation, so to speak. So. Um, so, yeah, props to, to Kevin Holland for that. I, I, that's a really great story, especially James in South Florida with the with the plethora of schools that are here and training centers. I advise all my meathead friends. They come in all shapes and sizes. You know, they won't look like much in street clothes. You won't know when you accidentally pick the fight with the wrong guy until the spider monkeys on top of your head, smashing your head in. So just, you know, govern yourself accordingly. Especially like, especially in Broward County. Right. I mean, right. Cause that, that, that's where the mega training centers are. Right. Where it's like, I can get away with some shenanigans down in Miami Dade, right? But in, in Broward County, you better watch your back, Jack. Iron, ironic, ironically, the guy with the American Top Team shirt that he's got to wear out on a Friday night—you don't have to worry about that guy. But right. it's the guy just dressed normally, you know, maybe 155 pounds, doesn't look like much. Watch out for that guy. Yeah, you're right. The guy who's wearing the ATT shirt to the bar is like the guy who is like he mops up the uh, the wrestling mats after. Yeah, yeah. after practice. He takes a he takes a he takes a jujitsu class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, you're OK. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, I wanted to uh, we got uh, Tony two times was talking about the, the female PFL roster. Uh, I, I know James was at this fight as well. He says, well, they also have Clarissa Shields, the accomplished boxing champion who's trying to add to her legend PFL. But like James, she hasn't looked good in PFL, and she no. she lost. She got upset in her last fight. She lost. Like if if Clarissa Shields were to match up with Kayla Harrison, she I think she would get just bodied. Yeah, that's that's a that's a mismatch. I mean, that's a top three female fighter in the world against you know a, a, a female fighter who's just trying to learn the craft. I I, I don't think that would be a be a good idea. I think the best idea for PFL is let her go through the tournament this first year and then this this whatever it's a multi-year deal, let's just say it's a two-year deal, three-year deal, whatever it is. For the rest of the way, just set up mega fights, do cross promotion, try to get cyborg in there, something like that. Because in just in MMA years, you know, two years from now, who knows? Cyborg may retire, uh Amanda Nunez yeah. may retire. There might not be anyone there for for Kayla Harrison to really test herself against two, three years from now to determine if she's one of the best of all time. So, you know, now's the time. Now's the window. This next 12 to 24 months is the window to see if they can get her big fights. But I don't think they'll happen this year. Maybe they can do some cross-promotion next year. Well, you know what? Honestly, I'm, you brought up a good point there with, with Amanda and Cyborg. And I, th I think Amanda, even though she's a lot younger than Cyborg, I think Amanda might retire before Cyborg. Yeah. 
because yeah. when she when she lost that last fight to Juliana Pena, she just, she didn't look mentally there. All right, and you know she's her whole life has changed. She she's got she's got a child now. Like she's you know she's already she's kind of reached like the peak you can reach in women's MMA, and maybe she's just lost that eye of the tiger a little well, bit. And you, and you know what? Race. Yeah, and you know what, Alex? I've started to cut you off. She also have reached her peak, given how much she's willing to put into marketing herself. Because she never really could get to that place. And that may have also created the the drag for her. You know, like, hey, you need to be doing all these things. You know, it's like, ah, you know, I'm over this. Yeah, so, no, you're right. And I so I could see, like, I could see Amanda, because I think she's already kind of decided she's over it. I think she's only fighting again because she just wants to avenge the loss. Like, on, yeah. like if, if she beats, and she should, if she beats Juliana Pena in the rematch after they coach the Ultimate Fighter, she might just say, "I'm out. I I avenged my loss. That that's it. I'm I'm out of here." Whereas I don't know, Cyborg seems like a lifer to me. Like Cy- Cyborg, uh, she she just seems like the type. And listen, Amanda's the better fighter. She proved that head to head. But Cyborg just seems to me like she's just gonna keep doing it, like until until she's physically unable to do it anymore. I I think Amanda would rather retire on top. Cyborg would rather just keep going until the wheels fall off. That's that's kind of my take on that. Uh, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, if you had another point on that, go ahead. No, no, you're good, Alex. I, I agree with that. No, cool, yeah. And I just wanted to say real quick, uh, full circle on the uh, on the Kevin Holland thing. You know, uh, subduing that shooter. This is the second time in six months he has he has subdued a criminal. Just six months ago, uh, he sub- subdued a suspect, uh, apprehended an alleged car thief in his coach's neighborhood. So this guy, he's he's freaking Batman. He's a real life Batman. <laughs> well, we'll cool. close. It is, man. I, I, I want to hang out with that dude. Like if I'm ever if I'm ever somewhere, you know, uh, where where I feel like uh, my life could be in danger, I want to have Kevin Holland in my corner. But we'll we'll wrap it up on that note. I want to remind everybody. First of all, thank you so much, everybody watching, for being here. Whether you're watching us live or you know you're watching us later via tape delay smash the like button hit the thumbs up button it really helps out the channel and make sure you subscribe to five reasons sports on youtube and if you prefer for whatever reason to listen to an audio version maybe you know my my face gets a little bit uh, a little bit too much like ingrained into your retinas i mean Fr- frank and james are both very handsome but if, uh, if you're tired if you're tired of looking at my face and you want to listen to the audio only version just go to apple podcast spotify google wherever you get your pods search for five rounds MMA and you're going to find our show there and you can download, listen in the car, listen while you're taking a jog, whatever you're doing. So there are a lot of different ways to support the show, but the number one way you can support the show is by supporting our title sponsor. Get on out to the quarter deck. I know some of you, I'm going to be in bed in like 45 minutes. Some of you like to go out late, especially on St. Patty's day. You got your leprechaun hats on. You're wearing your green shirts, laddies. You want to go out there and drink some green beer tonight and and just celebrate. Uh, Just pretend you're Irish tonight. Where Or a lot of you are like, oh, I got my DNA. I'm 132nd Irish. I can celebrate St. Patty's Day. Go out there to the Quarter Deck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill and just have a good time. Enjoy the delicious food. The seafood is so fresh at the Quarter Deck. The burgers and sandwiches are awesome. Oh, I love the jerk chicken sandwich. That's my new favorite menu item at the Quarter Deck. Delicious food, two for one happy hour, all day, every day. It never ends. Go out there and watch college basketball. The tournament is going on. You'll have a great time. Uh, watch uh, watch the UFC fights this weekend, and more importantly, when there's a pay-per-view, 
you can get it for no cover charge. When UFC 273 drops, you can watch it at the quarter deck, paying nothing at the door. If you want to find the location nearest to you or check out their menu before you go, visit them online at quarterdeckrestaurants.com. The quarter deck, come for the food, stay for the fun. Mr. Jaffrey, any parting comments before we wrap it up? No, I'm looking forward to seeing you out there next week and uh, should make for some fun and uh, good show. And I'm looking forward to the UFC. And it's a little bit, it's not a horrible show. It's not early in the day, right? It's late in the day, but not evening. Yeah, I think, nice I think the, for the first the first fight is going to hit about, uh, I think the, the the event starts at 1 p.m., the prelims. So like 1.15 first fight, something like that. But 4 o'clock for main card, I believe, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's not terrible, so. Any, any parting comments, James? Yeah, just looking forward to this week's card. I'd say the last two fight night UFC cards have been solid. I think it's kind of the definition of what a UFC fight night card should be. You know, some some exciting matchups, some prospects, stuff like that. You know, I feel like we spent a lot of 2021 complaining of how weak the fight night cards were. Uh, but I, I think so far this year, they've been pretty solid, at least in the last two editions uh, of it. It's been pretty good. Yeah, you're right about that. And I, I think maybe the formula that they're figuring out, and I don't mind it, is you don't necessarily have to stack the pay-per-views, right? G give people a sellable fight at the top and then try a little bit harder to stack the the fight night cards. And maybe I, I'm just, just – we still have some mega pay-per-views, but I'm just based on the pay-per-views we've had like the last couple of months. It's like they, they seem more interested in, in selling the main event and then maybe saving some of the the undercard fights for the yeah. free events. I, I don't know. It, it works for me because, I mean, I'm going to buy the pay-per-views anyway, right? And when, when it's the free shows, I don't know. I want to see better fights. But that'll do it for us, guys. Make sure, again, you, you smash the thumbs-up button. Subscribe to 5 Reasons Sports on YouTube. And, and tell your friends, man. If you know anybody in your life that's interested in combat sports, who's looking for more content, Tell them to give us a shot next week. We'll talk to you guys then on another episode of Five Rounds on the Five Reasons Sports Network. See ya.